everyone and welcome to the Delicious Ella podcast with me, Ella Mills, and my husband and business partner, Matthew Mills. Hi everyone. So this is our last episode of season two, which is quite something. It's, it's flown by. And today we have a very, very special guest with us. So occasionally you meet people in life and they just completely blow your socks off. And about, I guess it was four or five months ago, the lovely Nicole, who's the founder of Self Care Company, uh, got in touch and she came over and met just me initially. And I was just bowled over by her story and her bravery and her courage. And a lot of the focus of this season's podcast has been on people who have been able to move from from really difficult situations to a much better place in their life. And in many ways, I, I link Nicole's story to my lovely and inspirational wife who went from illness to a much better place in her life. And I think just sharing these stories will hopefully provide great inspiration for people. And so, Nicole, welcome and thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you so much. Um, and <laughs> thank so, you for having me. And so how about we start with, can you just give your give your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I never really fit in when I was younger in the sense that I... At school, I wasn't I wasn't academic in the slightest. I I always kind of wanted to to create things in a way. So I, I left school with two GCSEs, and I I, I guess when in, in that period between the summer between leaving high school and starting college, I realised maybe an academic kind of life isn't for me. So I I started a club night at seventeen years old. I started working in clubs illegally and this was in Brighton and this was in Brighton so I just you know I gave up on the idea of going to college university uh it wasn't for me I was always getting kicked out of class not necessarily because I was naughty because I couldn't concentrate but anyway in that summer I was you know walking around Brighton and and trying to find trying to find a job trying to try and make some money so I then became like a flyer for one of the clubs on the seafront. Um, so from a very young age, I was exposed to the kind of the world of the yeah. club scene. So yeah. drugs, alcohol, really late nights, um, not a healthy lifestyle at all. And I was in that world for about three years. I ended up, I stopped flyering and actually started my own hip-hop disco night <laughs> at 17 years old we saw about 900 people come through the doors every monday so Amazing. we were absolutely smashing it we were the student night to go to i was so young and naive as well so you know we were making a lot of money a lot of cash had no idea about tax and the mess i could get myself into i was drinking during the day to fly off my night it was a really unhealthy world that i was in and one day I just, out of nowhere, had some horrible symptoms, you know, shooting chest pains, breathlessness. I, I just couldn't breathe. Had you ever experienced anything Nothing like that Nothing like before? it. No, never, never, never. But I just assumed, I've, I'd never heard of panic attacks. I'd never heard of anxiety. I just mm. assumed, it, you know, my heart is, I can't breathe. I'm getting all these shooting pains. I feel like I'm going to collapse. I, so we rang the ambulance. That was one of the moments which really shook me up big time. I think in a way when I look back on it now, I was probably trying to escape in some kind of form. I got seriously bullied when I was younger, um, heckled, and my my self-esteem was just on the floor. So the the club nights, I guess, were... A kind of release from that. Yeah, just complete escape. 
but it got to the point where I couldn't even stand in my own on the dance floor of my own club not anymore because my anxiety was so bad from that one panic attack from the first panic attack I had at 17 I was experiencing them every day and I had no idea how to stop it I was just paralyzed were you given any advice on how to stop it or how to control them no no not at all I signed up for um some therapy um with the NHS but I was put on a a 10-week waiting list but by that point it was kind of getting too late I was and when you stopped doing the club nights, were you yeah. still having the anxiety attacks? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, I stopped doing the club nights. My my best friend, one night after a severe panic attack, um, I was not living at home at this point. She, she, you know, linked my arm and put me in a taxi and took me to my parents and said, Nicole needs to, you know, Nicole needs to get better. She's really not OK. Every day I was I was trying to figure out what, what, what was going on. I didn't understand my symptoms in the slightest. OCD started kicking in certain mugs I couldn't use I couldn't leave the house without having a huge huge panic attack had to move my mattress from my bedroom into my brother's room because I was so scared of dying every day Mm. and I just didn't I just didn't understand that was a pinnacle moment which changed my life massively and that was basically from, from after the time um having to leave my club night life and, and that world. I then obviously had no income, but I had to somehow find a way to survive. So yeah. temporarily, I had to sign on to the job centre, which is something I really didn't want to do, but I had no choice at the time. They would give me job interviews to go and turn up to so so I could get my... Um, get your life back together, to get, yeah. Yeah, to get my life back together and find my feet. During that time, I just ran out of every job I was ever in so then I kind of I went back to them um I went back to the job center and I said look I can't do this something isn't working you know I've been to all these job interviews but I I feel like I just can't do it I'm so anxious and I, I can't explain why so they said right okay well um in that case come back next week and, and we'll see um, we'll see what we can do then sadly tragically the day before my next appointment I had a call from my good friend and he told me that my best friend had just taken her life so I went into that appointment I really didn't want to but I had to because I had to survive I needed the money and I I was just I remember just waiting for my slot and I was just in absolute I was just in I was just distraught I was in tears I was and it was just the way one of the job advisors spoke to me I it just took me over the edge and I got quite destructive and I was taken away by security and I was put in a room on my own and my job advisor came in and she said you're too mentally ill to be on um, job seekers allowance we're gonna have to put you on disability allowance so there was um she she said I'd have to wait around eight weeks for that to happen and my money would be sanctioned so I I hadn't I wouldn't have an income basically for eight weeks Mm. and there was just no compassion or empathy for what I had to listen and and what I heard the night before that moment really for me was where my life kind of turned around because I 
I left the job centre and I said to myself, I'm never going back in there. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> so it was actually as I was walking out of the job centre, I was walking past a bus stop with a massive A board for the Prince's Trust. Yeah. And I was, I'm a big believer in, you know, omens and, you know, things happen for a reason. So I signed up to the Prince's Trust that same day and I followed my dreams on, you know, Set, setting up a mental health platform for young people to um, explore the connection between creativity and mental health. So with that idea, I I took that to the Prince's Trust and they were so incredibly supportive. I had a lovely mentor called Mary, who was this lovely old lady. And she was just what I needed at that yeah. time, that maternal, yeah. motherly woman who was just like, you know, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. So that was so life-changing for me. So I was running Don't Just Stare, which is Self Care Co's kind of sister platform. Yeah. And the concept is to to build workshops and implement them in schools, colleges and universities. And so did your life start to get better then? It did. It did for a while. Were I, you still I, having attacks? Or? Yeah, I was still so anxious. Every day was it was still a battle. I was, I was just so caught up in anxiety. Yeah. I was just, you know, even if I was meeting new people, I would say, hi, you know, I'm my name's Nicole. I'm feeling a bit anxious. And that would be my... Yeah my thing uh, for years I was so caught up so from then my partner and business partner Adelaide convinced me to move to London so you know fresh start let's just try and make this work so I moved in with her and initially uh, was just so overwhelmed by London and the busyness and just but in a way it was so great for me because it was I mean Brighton is a tiny city you know Mm. every street reminds you of some kind of bad experience so and then you started dog walking is that right yeah so that came about so when I moved to London obviously I was in the same position as Brighton I had to make some money and I had to get a job um I I was working on don't just stare but obviously at that time it wasn't making money enough for me to survive in London so I tried to get into advertising had a little internship which I loved but sadly I was I had a little breakdown when I was um, interning, so then I just that was the point where I realised I have to just completely stop and focus on getting better mm-hmm. because I was spending months on just experiencing anxiety and and serious low mood. So th- that's when uh, my partner Adelaide says, "Hey, why didn't you why didn't you become a dog walker?" <laughs> and I didn't even realize you could be a dog walker <laughs> and get paid. So I I remember the first dog I had and he was this puppy Ridgeback and I absolutely adored him. How did you find him? I was on a uh, what is it called? There's an amazing dog um, not borrowing my doggy. It wasn't borrowing my doggy. It was Bone Rangers. Bone That's Rangers. So, <laughs> so, so I became a Bone Ranger. No. And oh that gosh. was the kind of the start to my recovery in a way because I will just never, never... I'm so grateful for that time in my life because, you know, I was spending 10 hours a day in a park with these dogs and <laughs> yeah. it gave me the time and space to to really understand what was happening with my symptoms and it was an incredible time it really felt right to be doing that and so you started to feel like you were turning a corner then yeah absolutely I was definitely my anxiety was 
starting to um I wouldn't say disappear I was still very much for the first few years of living in London I was really grieving for my best friend and I couldn't accept it mm. I just you know I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just like <gasps> that gasp for kind of like oh my gosh I can't accept this this is so tragic but being able to be in my own space in the park with the dogs was yeah. just so like you know I could I could just actually take a moment to grieve because I wasn't I didn't grieve at the beginning it was I was just keeping it all in yeah and that's probably the the, the worst thing I could anyone could ever do in that in that scenario so um, you, so you're walking the dogs and then mm. what how did you start coming to poor candles which is what uh, well, Selco is known for now yeah so for me the the dog walking was incredible but my anxiety constant shooting head pains that it just still wasn't really going away so I tried mindfulness groups uh, therapy but it still wasn't it, I, st I still really wasn't healing so I, I then discovered essential oils yeah. and aromatherapy and I adore smells anyway I'm very highly sensitive so like you know lighting smells are so important for how I'm feeling yeah just down the road from where I live on Fulham Road there's an incredible shop called Urban Buddha and you know it's full of crystals essential oils and this amazing lady called Millie who runs the shop and she she is just the guru of essential oils <laughs> so I went in there one day just thinking right this I need to change my life I have yeah. to find a cure so she then but were you looking just looking for a hobby or well um, at this point i was i I, w I was just looking for anything to cure the anxiety yeah absolutely anything i was at the last straw so i thought do you know what i, I feel like the, the only way is to go down a more holistic spiritual route mm -hmm. so this lady millie she gave me all these essential oils and i thought okay let's give this a go so i bought one of those diffusers mm -hmm. don't know if you know mm -hmm. diffuser started yeah. experimenting and it just oh, i know it sounds silly but my anxiety was just subsiding i was feeling calm i was feeling present and it was making such an incredible difference so from then i was still kind of you know this still isn't quite doing it for me i need to, i really just want to produce something and i was thinking how i haven't produced anything since i was maybe like a toddler or primary school you know when you're like playing with the sand and i was really craving that because yeah. i just wanted to see something and and create something and that's where the kind of candles came around so i i bought myself a little candle making kit and was experimenting with the essential oils and just playing around i found it so 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 calming and it, it and it sounds silly, but it made me kind of proud of myself. You know, yeah. I created something. Yeah, um, that's exactly how I felt when I started doing Delicious Ella, having been in such a difficult place for kind of eighteen months and felt such a sense of worthlessness and like I mm. wasn't creating or kind of achieving. And I remember like the first few recipes I made, terrible, by the way. <laughs> um, I remember feeling such a sense of pride and satisfaction and empowerment in myself by the fact that I had done that I'd exactly. made it and I'd taken a picture of it and it was for me that was one of the most powerful moments of my mm -hmm. life as ridiculous as it might sound to someone else mm -hmm. I completely completely relate to 
that sense of kind of ownership mm-hmm. of what you can actually do. Yeah. When you doubt that what you can do, it's it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah, definitely. F- from that moment of noticing such a huge change in the way I was feeling from, I mean, my self-esteem was just... I felt like I had, I was, I mean, I okay, finally so, had a purpose again. Yeah, I finally had purpose again. So kind of what happened was I made these candles and I posted a little picture on Facebook on, on my newsfeed and people were like, hey, these look great. You know, can I buy one? And I thought, oh my And that gosh. hadn't been the intention, right? No, not at all. I just wanted to have a just little to- hobby and, <laughs> yeah. and keep my dog walking life, which I absolutely loved. I thought, you know, uh, it feels like such a... A nice combo. Yeah. Yeah, just the perfect combo whilst I was feeling so anxious and and kind of unsure of the world. But, you know, before I know it, my lovely, incredible friend Johnny, who works at an incredible design agency, he sent me a private message and said, come into our studio. And then before I know it, we're making this this brand. And Self-Care Co., the three words just popped into my head and I explained how I wanted it to look we we really wanted the branding and the art direction to look very calm to the eye and very minimal and and that's kind of how it all began and now you have a thriving business and you've got multiple people working for you and on this journey with you and yeah. you've got um we've done two collaborations now with um well Sir our Keke. second one's launching this week yeah indeed <gasps> um and and it feels like a, a full turnaround yeah it really does if you told my hip-hop DJ self when I was 17 (laughs) that I would now be running a wellness brand then I would have laughed at myself but um but and so you have self-care co and then you also have the be kind movement which is so yeah the be kind movement was inspired by an experience I had so it was November 2017. Uh, I was just having a, a meeting with my designers in their studio near Paddington. And I just felt really off that day. On my, on my way home from, from the meeting with Johnny and, and the team, I, I just felt completely out of control at the Paddington tube station. It was um, peak time. And I... I guess I was so sick of that feeling, that niggling anxiety. I just had had enough. I just wanted it all to be over, if I'm completely honest. I was very distraught and very distressed and kind of contemplating whether to to take my life or not. But out, out of the crowd, one one girl just kind of like tapped my shoulder because my head was in my hands, just kind of like trying not to... Um, look at anyone or anything and this girl she saw I was so not okay and she linked my arm and she took me all the way home and that really changed my life I mean I I wish I had her name or her number or you know I I wish I could dedicate um well you know the the Be Kind movement is dedicated to her because it made me realize how powerful kindness is yeah. and how important kindness is um, and it's available to anyone exactly you know, anyone can just do something yeah any exactly we can we can all be kind so i had an idea to simply have the words be kind on a t-shirt so i set up a prototype and i think we had about 20 garments in stock 
I really just wa wanted to create, I thought it, the idea of having these words on a T-shirt to kind of make people think as you walk, if you're wearing the T-shirt and walking down the street and creating... We, we, so just, a reminder for people who are walking yeah, by. Yeah, I've always just wanted to change the way people think with regard to kindness and strangers. Um, I think the, the idea of the Be Kind movement is to... To, to help look after each yeah, other, I guess, in a way. Exactly, to celebrate kindness and to celebrate kind of unconditional love, especially if someone's in sheer need. Mm -hmm. It's so important to reach out to others and to, to be kind. I mean, the movement has grown so much faster than I could ever have imagined. I remember when we launched the Be Kind movement, and like I said, I only had 20 garments in stock on the website at this time, but I hadn't quite worked out how to use choose the back end of the site so there was an unlimited amount of garments available for people to to order which left me in quite a sticky situation because we we launched the the be kind garments online and it just went nuts <laughs> it went absolutely crazy people from all over the world feeling connected to the idea that we have to the only way it's just to be kind. It's to just be kind. Yeah. It's that simple. It's so powerful, whether it's being kind to yourself or being kind to someone else, uh, being kind to the planet. That's kind of what the Be Kind movement's all about. Nice. You know, we live in such a busy world and we, you know, and this is something we've talked about a lot, especially it feels like this series and kind of happiness and that that quest that we're all on for it. And yet we feel that we're alien if we don't have that sense of happiness and mm. we don't open up enough to each other about it and share it and normalise everything that you're talking about. It's just taking the time to acknowledge how people feel, how we can support them because everybody goes through difficult periods for yeah. one reason or another. But if if everyone, I mean, it just shows if, if everyone, I mean, this was an extreme example where someone took you all the way home, but mm -hmm. I mean, if you just take... 30 seconds or a minute out of your day just to do a random act of kindness for someone. Exactly. The, after that accumulates and it builds up, you know, yeah. it would... It would do we, a lot. We would live in a better place. Yeah, we really, really um, would. And so Definitely. from this journey of a place of what feels like real desperation to a place where now I haven't got to know you, you seem like you're in a, you're in a great place and you've got a great business and Thank a great you. relationship. And yeah. um, and some gorgeous dogs, one of whom yeah. Austin is having yeah. a love affair with. Yeah, he, he sure is. Uh, what would be your advice to anyone else who, whether in the extreme of where you felt or is just struggling a bit of life, what would what would be your advice to them? I think really just telling yourself that this moment is so temporary. I think that in itself is so powerful. And for anyone suffering with anxiety, low mood, just know that it doesn't define you. You are not the anxiety and you are not the low mood. You are you are above that. And that's something I've I've realised in the last year or so. I've been reading so many different books and really understanding the power of our thoughts. And it's just, I just think it's so important for us to, I mean, obviously we, our minds are constantly babbling away with thoughts and whether it's negative or positive, but it's so important to be aware of those negative thoughts and know that they are, they are not you. They're you, just thoughts. They are just thoughts. Yeah. And that's something I, I practice every day, is just positive affirmations. Genuinely, they have 
transformed my life in a way yeah. I cannot explain. Um, so I love you- the ones you share so much. <laughs> Nicole shares some, I think, almost every day, at least. Or like most, pretty much every day on the Self Care Co Instagram. And I, I love it. It always, I know for me, every time I see it, it's such a good check-in of, you know, you are enough, you've got this, like the world's an amazing place. And mm-hmm. you always kind of say, you know, close your eyes and repeat it a few times. And mm-hmm. I do. And I've, it's so powerful. And mm-hmm. so what is your practice for doing that each day for these positive affirmations? Do you, is it a moment that you take in the morning or in the evening, or is it just something that just kind of goes throughout your day? If I'm honest, this is something I kind of discovered around a year ago as well is just with anxiety obviously when you're you're constantly feeling on the the brink of death and that's kind of how how it has felt for me in the past and feeling so close to that edge gave me this I don't want to say an awakening but I almost feel like I see the world now for really what it is Mm. and I smile so much every day and I just feel so grateful to be alive I just think there's so much I mean it's so hard obviously with with the way social media is heading where it's so easy to compare ourselves to others and there's a lot of busyness whether it's advertisements in the street or just general trends that we feel like we have to follow or you know how many likes we're getting how many this and how many that but like we all need to remember we are so whole as we are Mm. we don't need to care about that and Mm. I think the universe has an incredible way of working everything it works itself Mm. out if we trust it were there any books that you've read that you'd kind of call out in particular absolutely I'd say The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle was one I loved. I listened to a lot of Tara Brach's um, meditations every day. And she, I honestly, I recommend that for everyone, anyone suffering with anxiety, low mood, depression, uh, trauma, grief. It's, she has changed the way I think completely. So yeah, it's powerful stuff. This whole episode has been powerful stuff. It sure has. I think it shows just the power of just a small step in a hobby as well though yeah you know just completely. just just doing something that is able to either as as a distraction or just to give yourself a focus on something outside mm. of what you're feeling it's just i know it, there's such a clear link between mm. between both of how uh, your story started so yeah i know for me starting something that felt that it was kind of mine in some capacity felt so empowering and like for the first time in a while, I felt like something was in my hands again yeah. and everything in my life had felt out of my hands and in my doctor's hands and in just the sense of a complete unknown of whether I'd ever be kind of healthy enough to feel like I could walk down the street properly again. Mm. And then suddenly I thought, okay, but I do have this. And mm. there was something about that that was for my for my mind incredibly powerful. And I think there's a lot in finding something that you love and whether it's a hobby or or does develop further and being able to spend time kind of immersing yourself in that rather than solely immersing yourself in things that other people like and I'm not sure what you found Nicole but like Mm -hmm. when I started doing what we do it was so uncool you know (laughs) kale was not cool and, and it was you know it was really 
you know, no one wanted to be involved in it or kind of wanted to hear about it or no one wanted to even eat the food. You know, it was yeah. quite weird. And, you know, I imagine, you know, you're saying that people are like, oh, it's nice, you've got a hobby. But actually... It's like, oh, vegan candles. That's, yeah. That's, Ooh, that sounds niche. niche. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then that's almost the beauty of it because it's so yours and, and you're not doing it because it's cool and you're not doing it to impress anyone yeah. and I loved that about it so much because again I just I'm just doing this for me exactly. this is just for me yeah and I think again there was something really really powerful in saying you know it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks mm-hmm. actually I'm I'm going to do this because this is making me really really happy and that but then it will naturally and then make the other people around you happier too totally because, yeah. but I think that's had a really powerful impact on just my way of looking at things in the last few mm-hmm. years of stopping minding what anyone else thinks like I hate going out I love being in bed at nine o'clock I oh God, obviously too. not drinking but I hate drinking I yeah. I hate loud music I just hate it I'm such a granny yeah. and I don't care anymore yeah. if people think I'm a loser because yeah. I'm so happy That's doing what matters, I'm doing exactly it's all that matters and finding something that helps you get to that place yeah and if you love loud music and, and all the rest of it that's amazing too yeah. but you know following what it is that kind of resonates with you I think does have this unbelievable power on our mental health which mm-hmm. you know in the mind and the body are also so connected and so connected. it's incredible to see how that then resonates yeah yeah well thank you Absolutely. so much for sharing your story thank um you. I think it's incredibly inspiring and I'll never forget when Matt first met you and he came <sighs> home and he just said that was one of the most amazing powerful meetings I've ever had probably ever will have oh, yeah I remember so yeah. lovely no I remember it <laughs> but it's so it. true and, and so this is very sadly our last episode of, of season two don't worry we will be back but it's been so powerful hearing your story Nicole and I feel like there was no better way to end it because I think it resonates so much with what we've talked about throughout which is this kind of quest for happiness and, and peace of mind and well-being that we're all on but it's, it's an incredibly complex journey with so many kind of factors involved in it yeah it is but i think and i think it also shows the power and ability for internal transformation and yeah um that in nicole's amazing story even from the absolute absolute depths she was able to turn it around and to know that that ability is within us mm. i think and i hope for other people will just be a really really empowering message to hear i hope so too so thank you all so much for listening to us. Thank Rabbit you. on for 12 episodes. I know. I can't quite believe where this is. This is the end of season two already, but we We've so... We've gone over sh- two million listens. I know, which um, is mad. So thank you for supporting what for us is like the ultimate passion project. I think at Delicious Yellow, we, you know, as, as we say quite a lot, what we, what we care about is helping everyone live better. And in doing that, I think we've you know really so much as well come to understood that health and well-being wellness you know however we want to describe it is so much more than kale and broccoli you know yes we know we need our five a day or our ten a day and you know all our grams of fiber and all the rest of it but it's so much about you know that 360 approach of you know actually really looking after every part of yourself and I think that's something that we're definitely going to continue to explore and feel so grateful to all our guests so far for helping us get a little bit deeper into that and shed a little bit of light into it 
Indeed. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And so we'll be back middle of May. And if there's any topics you particularly want us to cover or guests that you want us to have in, then please do email just hello at deliciousyellow.com and we would love to hear from you. Otherwise, we are sending you all lots and lots of love, hoping you have a lovely week and cannot wait to be back. Thank you. Thank you.